Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Um, I just had, I can't remember where, where I was, but I think I was listening to a Christmas carol. Listen, one of my issues is I started listening to Christmas music in, uh, in November. I did. I'm sorry. I just did. All right. Um, but it's, it's caused me a few problems. It's caused me a problem in that because I listened to Christmas music in November, I feel like every week at work is my last week, and then we close for Christmas. And I get very disappointed at the weekend. I have to go back to work on the Monday. So it's not really served me well. Uh, but there was something grabbed my attention about carols. And the thing that grabbed my attention is we only sing them maybe once or twice a year. But they're so rich with good stuff. There's some good stuff in the carols, some really good theology, some really good thoughts, some really good lines. And so we're, it's just going to be a very short series. I think probably when you do two. But we're just going to look at um, a couple of carols, really, and see what, how that leads us into Scripture and how that leads us closer to Jesus. So rather than me just talk about it, we'll watch a carol. It's called a video of a carol. So you watch the carol, and then I'll talk to you about what we're going to um, explore from this piece of beautiful music. Thank you, Phoebes. Change shall he break. 
good. I recorded that early for you. Hope you appreciated the effort I went to to hit those notes. It's my mom's favorite carol, that. Such a beautiful song. It's one line that grabbed my attention um, this year as I was listening to it. It says this, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Let me tell you this, and let me encourage you with this. Christmas is a time where we're reminded just how much we are worth. Just how much you are worth. In 1971, a junior advertising writer wrote a line for an advert that has been seared into society's consciousness ever since. 1971, this was. She was really frustrated and disheartened that every time she had to write an advert, even if she was writing an advert for a product that was for women, she had to write it so that it would deliver, be delivered kind of through male eyes, really. And uh, 
Even in those days, adverts that were, even adverts that were aimed at women for women's products would have a woman who was silent and then a male voiceover. And so she was very frustrated with this kind of concept. And so she wrote an advert in five minutes, just really angrily, she wrote this advert, she handed it in, it was approved, and it was made. And then the iconic, the iconic words are burned into our consciousness, because at the end of the advert, the person who is speaking says, because I'm worth it. You've all seen an advert that says, because I'm worth it. 1971, that advert came out. And over the years, the company, it's L'Oreal, I'm not, it's not advertising, not paying me anything. Over the years, um, they've, just, they've adjusted that line to go from because I'm worth it to because you're worth it. And then now I think what they're saying is because we're worth it. Interesting. Worth is not something that we maybe give conscious attention to. I don't know what you're like, but I don't sit down and think about worth at any point, really, consciously think, how do I feel? What am I worth? These are not questions I consciously ask myself, but what you think about yourself and how you think about your worth will shape what you think, will shape how you behave, will shape the situations that you allow yourself to get into, can shape your foundations, and if you're not careful, can lead to all sorts of disasters. For example, someone may have grown up poor, and they've decided that they never want to live in poverty, and so they work hard, and they accumulate lots of wealth. But then, they feel that they're worth it because of the stuff that they have. Their worth is based on their stuff. Or maybe someone said something negative to someone else, or maybe you about something you wore, and it really affected you, really dug deep inside you, and you decided that you would pay very, very close attention to the things that you wore from now on. And you love it when people compliment you on your outfit. There's nothing wrong with people complimenting you on your outfit. But maybe you're getting your worth from what people say to you. Till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. Dr. Rob Ryman, his book, Sold Care, he says there are three main lies that we can believe about our worth that will give us very faulty foundations. And I want to look at these lies. I had them up on a slide, and then I went over them again because I recognized if I just put the lies up on the slide and didn't make it very clear that these are lies, and you drifted off while I was talking, and you came back, and there's a lie on the slide, you might think that I'm saying these things are true, but they're not true. They're lies. The first thing he says... He says, this is a lie that we can believe about our worth and is a faulty foundation. Our worth is dependent on our performance. Our worth is dependent on our performance. When I'm doing well, or when people appreciate that I'm doing well, then I am worth something. In the parable of the prodigal son, we see something very similar to this in um, Luke chapter 15. So the parable of the prodigal son, the father has two sons. The youngest son goes to him and says, I don't want to wait until the end of time to receive my inheritance. I want my inheritance now. I want to enjoy my life now. I can't be bothered waiting. Give me my share of the inheritance. And so his dad does that, and he goes off, and the Bible says he spends it on worthless things. <coughs> and then when he finally comes to his senses... He's blown all of his money. He's lost all of his friends. He sat with pigs, literally sat with pigs. 
He says this, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He decides this. He's no longer worthy to be a son. And so he goes back home. And Jesus tells a parable. It's a beautiful parable. And uh, the picture that Jesus paints of the father who is looking and waiting for his son is a beautiful reminder of the way that God looks and waits for us and stands with open arms waiting to see that we will return to him. And so his father runs to greet him. And in, in, uh, in Bible times, see, when Jesus told this story, people would have been horrified at this point, not that the son was coming back, but that the fact that the father was running. Elderly Jewish men did not run. That's, that's beneath them. So the fact that the father is running to his wayward son would have, would have drawn their attention. His father runs to him, throws his arms around him, and kisses him. And then the son gives his little speech saying, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. But the Bible says this, The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found and so they began to celebrate. His dad said, this son of mine. He used those words. So the boy came back and said, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. And his dad said, this son of mine. He didn't accept that at all. I remember in Sunday school, um, <coughs> someone wanted to make the point. They wanted to talk about the elder son, that the elder son was a bit miserable. And uh, when the younger son came back, and so the teacher said, hey, can you tell me in the story of the prodigal son who was not happy? And this little lad put his hand up. She just said, yes. And so the lad said, the fattened calf. <laughs> and he was right. The fattened calf was definitely not happy because he became the feast. But I love that Jesus, using this parable, makes the point that this boy says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then the father says, this son of mine. Our behavior is not what makes us worthy to be children of God. What we do does not make us worthy to be children of God. We are children of God because He first loved us. And so if we, if we try to get our worth from how we behave or how we perform or how well we're doing or I read my Bible six times this week, it's amazing. If, that is amazing. But if we start to get our worth from what we are doing, we're missing the point. That is a lie. Our worth is not dependent on our performance. Dr. Rob says the second lie that uh, is a faulty foundation is our worth is dependent on whether people love or like us. Our worth is dependent on whether people love or like us. And this is, this is very, very close to people-pleasing. You may know people-pleasers in your life who just want to keep everyone happy. And there's nothing wrong with just uh, making sure that people are okay. And there's nothing wrong with supporting people. But if your drive and your goal is just to keep people happy, you will live a miserable existence. Because you cannot keep people happy. And your worth is not dependent on whether people love or like you. Uh, king Saul in the scripture is a good example of this. He was king of the nation. And then Goliath came along. 
and uh, it was all not going very well for him. And then this young lad steps up and says, I'll take the giant on. And David kills the giant and becomes part of Paul's, uh, Paul, becomes part of Saul's army. And then there is a great victory that happens, and the people start to sing a song. And Saul hears them singing this song. Remember, he's the king of the nation. And this young lad has just um, won a great victory for the nation and for him because he is the king of the nation, and he hears the people singing a song, because people like to sing songs. People are, it's kind of like a football chant, I imagine. Yep. So, see, I made a reference about football. Deal with it. So, <coughs> so the people are saying, Saul has killed his thousands, but David tens of thousands. I mean, they're just, they're just really pleased with David. Saul has killed his thousands, but David tens of thousands. And Saul hears this song. Do Saul celebrate that David has done well? Is Saul happy that David has done well? No. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 8, it says, Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands, what more can he get but the kingdom? From that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. If you feel your worth is dependent on what people are saying about you, that is a faulty foundation. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. We are worthy and we have worth because of Jesus coming not because of what people say about us. The third thing that Dr. Rob says is our worth lie, let me make it clear it's a lie, our worth is dependent on how much we are in control. How much we are in control. Yeah. So we think if I'm in control, then I have a sense of worth. And I think of the three things, this is probably my least, yeah, I think of the, of the three things, this is probably the least one in my life that I have to check and see, is this, a, is this a, an issue for me? But there are people around me that I know who are control freaks. They have, to, they have to have control of stuff. And listen, we need people who will just stand up and do stuff. We need people who will organize. We need people who will say, this is what we need to do. That's great. But if you are getting your worth from how much you are in control, then you are looking for it in the wrong place. A bit of a brutal passage for you, so brace yourself. But you can give an example of someone who, whose worth was dependent on how much they were in control. Very small, very small story in the Old Testament. You might have missed it, but there's a guy called Ahithophel. Ahithophel was an advisor to the king. And in fact, the Bible says that he was very highly regarded in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23 says, In those days, the advice, of Ahithophel, the advice that Ahithophel gave was like that of one who inquires of God. That was how both David and Absalom regarded all of Ahithophel's advice. He was an advisor to the kings. And so you can imagine that he really enjoyed the privilege that he had of being someone who would say to the man in charge of the nation, I think this is what you should do. And then the king saying, Okay, let's do that. You can imagine that that gave him a sense of importance, a sense of worth. You can imagine that. And in fact, that was the case. Because later on, <coughs> there was a, 
David did a little sneaky thing when his son Absalom rebelled and his son was taken over the, the nation and David escaped. David sent someone else back, said, listen, you go back and I want you to confuse. I want you to give your opinion to the king. So you are an advisor as well. But I want you to give your opinion to the king so that he doesn't, Absalom, so he doesn't come looking for me. So there's another, there's another advisor in the house. And so... This guy gives some advice to Absalom, and then Ahithophel gives some advice to Absalom, and then Absalom says, we're going to do what this guy says. His name was Hushai. We're going to do what Hushai says. He didn't take on board the things that Ahithophel had said. And so this is what happens when it gets too far, and your worth is dependent on how much you are in control. 2 Samuel 17, verse 23. When Ahithophel saw that his advice had not been followed... He saddled his donkey, set out for his house, he put his house in order, and then hanged himself. So he died and was buried in his father's tomb. His advice was not taken. He was no longer in control, and so he took his own life. I mean, this is, this is drastic. This is, this is extreme. This is the other end of the scale. But this is how far it can get when your worth is dependent on how much you are in control. Because it isn't. It isn't. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. So our worth is not dependent on how we perform. Our worth is not dependent on whether people like us or not. Our worth is not dependent on how much we are in control. Christmas reminds us that you are worth it. You were worth it. You were worth what happened. Have a look at this. This is a piece of art. <coughs> piece of art that was sold uh, three years ago at a gallery. Yep. I'm just going to describe it to you, if you in, case, in case you think you're seeing something else. This is a piece of art. It is literally a banana gaffer taped to the wall. Piece of art. <laughs> sold. It was sold at auction. <laughs> for 98,000 pounds. It's amazing. I mean, I can understand. I can see it. I hope you can all see it. I can see why. In fact, what I've done <coughs> is, is I'm hoping <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that someone is going is to give me some cash for this. For this, this what I have done earlier. Now, you might not want to give me the same amount of cash because the gaffer tape is a different color. But, uh, but I, think, I think black is better. I think it looks better. So if anyone wants, to, <laughs> anyone wants to make an offer for this banana that I have gaffer taped to a piece of cardboard, then I would massively appreciate it. Why am I talking about this? Sometimes the worth or the value of an item is not in the item itself but is in what someone is willing to pay for it. And your worth is not in who you are or what you can do, but in what someone was willing to pay for you. And Jesus was willing to pay everything for you. Everything for you. He was willing to pay everything for you. And that's where your worth comes from. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. I love this passage. It's talking about Jesus. 
It says, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus laid aside the majesty of his divinity, and he humbled himself to live out his life here on earth as a human. He left his throne surrounded by angels, surrounded by worship, surrounded by majesty and glory, to surround himself with pain, with rejection, and suffering. Why would he do that? Because you are worth it. Because you are worth it. Christmas is a time to remember that you are worth the very best God could give. I'm a firm believer in the idea of Christmas to the cross. I love Christmas very much. But I think if we just talk about a baby in a manger and don't talk about Jesus on the cross, we're kind of missing the point because that's why he came. He didn't came to stay in the manger. He came to head to the cross so that we could be redeemed. <coughs> and so we're going to break bread together this morning in the light of everything I've said, in the light of the fact that we understand that our worth is not dependent on how we behave, our performance, how people like us or not how much we're in control or not. Our worth is based on how much Jesus was willing to pay for us, and he paid everything. John Piper, a pastor and author in America, he says this, we're unworthy of the cross, and because of the cross, we are worthy. We're unworthy of what Jesus did for us, and yet because of the cross, we are worthy. So Phoebe's going to come. We're just going to sing that song again, Freedom of the Cross. Come on then, Phoebes. And I want us to think through <coughs> and to think about the fact that our worth is dependent on how much Jesus was willing to pay for us. And in a, in a circumstance like this, in a room full of people, and I have to, con I have to admit that, that sometimes I think about, when we sing about Jesus coming and dying for us, I'm thinking collectively, I'm thinking for all of us. But what I'd like us to do this morning is, and I want to encourage you to do this every time, because it sounds a bit selfish, but I want you to think about yourself. Think about the fact that Jesus left his majesty, he left his glory, he left all of that to come here to live as a human to die on the cross, and to be raised again from death because you, you are worth it. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.org.